Dead bod rat pod. Rome is burning, and so are we. No, it's it's actually France. Help me understand the Notre Dame thing. The Notre Dame Cathedral, one of the most beautiful buildings in the history of civilization that has been there since the 1100s, is currently on fire. It's very sad. Um, I'm gonna. My early money is on French leftists. Uh, <laughs> set fire to it. Oh. <laughs> Well, we'll see so what happens. It's early in this, and I was at work all day, but I was kind of following it on Twitter, et cetera. Is it's it's not terrorism; it's just a building. Just right. fire issue. seems like they're it. always. Kind Has of Quasimodo <laughs> been located? Does he have an <laughs> alibi? Have we talked to Lord Quas about this? He Maverick? does smoke, so you know. Maybe <laughs> I'm just saying. There. I'm just saying. It's a little yellow character, yes, the Mad Lib character exactly. by Notre Dame. Um, so yeah, so there's always a lot going on in the world, a lot going on in the world of rap, but there's also a lot going on in Nate's world, coming back smelling like prosciutto, oh. just uh, <laughs> <laughs> fresh off of his Italian trip. How was oui, that, oui, man? Oui, oui. Uh, it was great. It was so great. Uh, my wife and I went to Italy, mostly Milan and the uh, Lake Como region, especially the town of Verena. Is where we stayed. It's like literally one of the most beautiful places on earth. It's spectacular. Um, and we did a day, like an afternoon in Paris on each side because we bougie. Nice. Okay. Yeah, it was Go awesome, ahead. man. I just, we had a great time. I really, is my first time going to Milan. I loved the city. It's like the fashion and banking capital of Italy. So it's mm-hmm. like a totally different look than like your Florence or your Rome's where there's just like a different mm. emphasis. Um, it was just awesome to see everyone all dressed up. We went to this store called the. Uh, 10 Corso Como, which is basically the first streetwear boutique in the world. Um, and the it's first still, in the world. Yeah, it wow. still carries like um, all of the all of the best like current designers. And I actually texted Dave about this, that they have a bookstore upstairs that's just it's so intensely beautiful. It's like art books and photography books. And it's just this kind of quiet space. And they were playing uh, this Moom song that I love from the album. Finally, we are no one, which me and mm-hmm. Dave are both super into and are going to do a thing on someday. Um, and I just like had a total moment. It was so beautiful. Moment. Yeah. He cried and, and gave a chef's kiss. All in, all in, one, all in one motion. Cried and bought like a 30 euro magazine. <laughs> uh, no, it's beautiful, man. Like ever, I would encourage people if you're going to Italy to go by Lake Como. It's really, really cool. It's kind of touristy. I was kind of explaining it to my mom. Like uh, it's like you take ferry boats to the different towns, but it's mm. kind of like going from like capitola to pismo beach okay like they're all kind of the same but they're all a little bit different Mm. and um yeah it was awesome like it it was great to get away it was like really really cool to like go and see and do new things and just got me more energized about life i'm a i love to travel so it was good we try to do an international thing every other year okay so this was ours for this year it's too short but uh you know always that's how life always yeah definitely always too so what's what's next then is it uh we don't know yet um i'm thinking japan yeah i was gonna say tokyo 2020 guys yeah i'm turning 40 so Mm. that might be a good opportunity i haven't like basically celebrated any of my birthdays since i was in my 20s right so i feel like i have some stock saved up to maybe buy some plane tickets i don't know we'll see nice okay we we shall see you're gonna love you're gonna love tokyo dude tokyo's gonna love you yeah no (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we are here um, it's raining for some reason. There's a watery substance coming out the sky. Again, Again. it was so Again. nice this weekend. Totally. Uh, totally, I know you got your lawn chairs out. Like they're like perfectly arranged. I know, completely <laughs> getting soaked. While you were out of the country, uh, Dave and I held it down. Um, hip hop 
was relatively safe. I didn't see a ton of Instagram <laughs> posts. I have to say, <laughs> I got off one. I got. Come on, Demond. I was. I'm looking at you, Demond. <laughs> Dave. Uh, yeah. We still exist, Instagram. No, we we still exist. I think I have an existential 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 um, crisis when it comes to Instagram, and that I'm just like. I'm not a photographer. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I get no it. one is. A yeah. blurry picture of a Style Wars DVD is our most liked post. So I know. And that's call it, it what you will. That's deeply hurts me on some level. <laughs> it's uh, bizarre. Yeah. No, it's it's super bizarre. But yeah. And I do. I have a couple pieces of, of hip hop ephemera that I thought about taking a picture of. <laughs> nice. That counts. That yeah. Counts. I, un- I finally. <laughs> that's a half unbox- post. <laughs> Right, it's, it's, a, half, it's a thought pregnant. that counts. <laughs> it's a half like, dude. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I finally unboxed this old uh, Chuck D action figure. Oh wow! That I had, Dope. kind of like cleaning out stuff, and I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna be that geek that keeps the shit in the box for 500 years. That would get 54 likes. Yeah, with our current setup, <laughs> that's 54 in likes. Mid 50s. Okay, okay. So yeah, so I, I had that. I said, Nate would be proud of me if I did it. And <laughs> somewhere in that chain of command, I just was like, nah. Oh, man. <laughs> it yeah. happens. It happens. It's all good. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was like, I was offline for two weeks. Like, I didn't Isn't it check beautiful? my so email. How, so I, how was that? It was great. great. I love it. I, I really like going. I like pretend I'm a different person when I'm mm. on vacation. Like, I don't mm. check What's in. your name? What do you? <laughs> <laughs> Not I, that. I don't pretend that hard. <laughs> Um, I just I don't participate in my life is more like the the way to put it. Like, I, don't I could participate like, in my life. I checked in That's on Twitter like two or three times. Yeah, but like I'm like it's the same old bullshit. Um, I completely missed the whole Lil Nas X phenomenon. Uh, so yeah. like I have never heard that song and like I'm like I'm how do you this exist? Out. How are you? How are you a satient being at this point? I know. It's, it's <laughs> nice to sit one out every once in a while. Yeah. Oh, no, I hear it's you. like I'm not totally participating in this current social phenomenon, and I'm like watching everyone else do it very Okay, but and I'll, I'll tell you this, though. The tab. The, a good one, and I kind of set it out but enjoyed it from the sidelines, was the relitigation of Paul Pierce's career. Oh, and, I saw that. And to, saw to that. Dwayne Wade's career. Right. He said he was better than Dwayne Wade, which there's no metric by which that's true. Unless you're Dart Adams, and then it's totally, <laughs> which wow. I, I kind of feel like him and Dart cooked that one up. He's but. such like a hardcore Bostonian. Totally, I guess totally. if someone was coming for Steph's legacy, I'd feel the need to chime in, but like, it's yeah. just not the case. Right. No, right. no, it, it's not, but it was it was so funny. Like, Twitter is so merciless totally. when you kind of, when you fuck up, when you just make, you know, it's it's a small brag. What is Paul Pierce going to say? I wasn't better than Dwayne Wade. That's how he's programmed. They, they all everyone. thought they were the illest. I, don't, I just don't get the sense that he's very good at being on TV or that it's going to last very much longer. Look, man, yeah. he got stabbed by Benzino. <laughs> that dude is platinum in my. Do you remember the game where he died? Like he like died in the third quarter. They took him out on a stretcher. Like, that's soccer level shit, man. Paul it's Pierce more is. like wrestling level <laughs> shit, right? Puts the thumbs up. Yeah, as totally. Everyone's standing <laughs> He was partially Bill paralyzed, came back, had 24 <laughs> points, 10 rebounds. Out comes the Undertaker. Part, I mean, I, all, all time chubby player. Off top. Of all the pudgy guys, he's first ballot. It's kind of like fame. Draymond, where Draymond's in the best shape of his life and he looks a little thick. Yeah, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, he just that's has that body type. That's the Paul Pierce kind of hall of fame totally no, no um it's it's been crazy he's paunchy paunchy oh there yeah, we go definitely. i was gonna go swarthy that's what you you keep swarthy means having like dark features uh, that too for pa- paul paunchy <laughs> means having like you carry your weight right. around your your midsection your midsection i, I myself am paunchy okay but, like beyond that 
Is that your Rotund. Italian nickname? <laughs> hey, Punchy. Punchy. Hey, Punchy. Punchy. Welcome Punchy. back. Welcome back. Would you like to drink six espressos and eat two pizzas today? <laughs> yes. See. See. <laughs> See. It's going down. It's going down. That's hilarious. You know what's funny? Uh, last time I had been to Italy, I was much younger. I was like 18. Um, no one spoke English then and kind of gave you shit for not like learning Italian. No, every single person spoke English. Isn't it wild that I interacted with? It Isn't was like it, wild? It, it like let me off the hook for my terrible tourism. Mm-hmm. It's like, damn, dude, I kind of feel bad, but I don't have to pretend beyond Bongiorno. Well, <laughs> but but also, but totally. also, people don't want to like they don't want to waste time fucking humoring your weak travel guide. That's what I I picked up in multiple countries. Is like, all right, dude, I speak English. Let's let's get on with it. Totally. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, like I'm uh, like Bongiorno, and they yeah. were like, what would you like to eat today, sir? <laughs> Welcome to Starbucks. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. No. So uh, English is like the the stickiest language of of all the world. Everyone learns yeah. it in school, and so they, they speak it better than we do. Yeah. Yeah. We're dirty monolingual. Right. Americans yelling. Did you see this video of the white guy yelling that um, why are the names in Spanish in a Mexican restaurant? Oh, my uh, God. Of yeah. course I did. Like Pe- guacamole? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. This is America. God yeah. damn it. Fucking uh, so, shoot him in the face. Yeah. There's Trump's America. Yeah. yeah that's <clears throat> that's where we's at. Um, all right. So we are, you know, in a in a day and a time where um, news is fake. Facts. I call this era being post-factual. Um, yeah, you yeah. make up. You make up your own reality. And to that end, that's sad but true. It. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, to that end, we are going to talk about a phenomenon. Um, the phenomenon of industry plants, um, a term that's getting thrown around. Um, and these are not bonsai. These are. Uh, <laughs> these are people who. Well, you know, what? I'm not even going to get into it. Let's take a quick break, <laughs> and we'll be right back with our industry plant discussion. Dad by Rap Pop. We are back, Dad Bod Rat Pod, um, here in San Jose, California, where weed is legal, and I always forget that. <laughs> I'm You're just al- used to hiding it. I'm just yeah. <laughs> I'm used to being in hiding, and I'm used to kind of like there being something lightweight, shameful. That was part of the fun. Um, but now it's like you go and you know I bought a pre roll because um, I had a lot to do on Sunday, uh, and <laughs> and. The shit is like twenty bucks, and I'm like, hmm, mm. there's something, there's something slightly amiss here. I don't know where you're well, going, but we it? could talk off the air. That's a lot for a pre roll. Is. is it like now? A, are we talking about a blunt? A, like a caviar cone? Like what? Are it, we it was, about? it was called like a, a. Okay, number one, all weed names are pretentious. This is the worst thing that of ever course, happened to course, weed. There used course. to be like three names. There was like Pretendo Bomb and like. White boy weed. That was like the three <laughs> main right. categories. You don't like the green Romulan? Oh, my fucking God. So, so yeah, I'm like, I'd like a pre-roll, <laughs> maybe some sativa. And she's like, well, we've got the fuzzy cones that have keef in them. And then we have the bubble. And I'm just like, fuck, man. I don't have time for this. So give me the fuzzy Muppet skin cone, whatever <laughs> Muppet foreskin you got going. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Um, so I get it. And it's like 20 bucks. It's a pretty 
big pre-roll, but it's like 20 bucks. Why does it come in this like 15th century glass vial? Okay, because I bought uh, my buddy Jeff, who watched the house while I was on vacation, two different pre-rolls, and they came in a glass vial and came with like a ceremonial match that oh you're supposed to no buy. And Dude. they were only eight bucks. Okay. Wow. I'm doing it wrong. You're doing yeah. it wrong. I'm doing it wrong. You need to go to Airfield. I'm not here for, yeah. For Airfield, the... we're here for sponsorship. <laughs> yes, Product, please. cash, yeah. we could talk. Send edibles, let's talk. Yes. So no, no, I'm send edibles, let's not talk. <laughs> That'll be the end the end of our podcast. Just us looking at each other like the airfield show, uh, sponsored by John Cage. Uh, we're just like sitting here staring at each nice. other, occasionally all laugh. Oh man. To a thought we all share in our heads. Um so yeah, it was it was just it was kind of it was kind of obnoxious, but uh, you know, alas, that's where we're at. But there's also another type of plant that the kids are talking about. Uh-oh. And this would be the industry plant. Are we um, talking about Plant the Rapper? Oh, <laughs> ouch, ouch. That was great. <laughs> that was great. I was having this because I was having this debate with my son, who um, unfortunately is a fan of Post Malone. Um, mm. You know, we'll get into therapy later. Yeah, it's it's you real have bad. have to talk with them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you failed. You yeah. It's like your daughter's on the pole. Your son is, son on, is the on the post. <laughs> Keep your kids off the post. Learn from my mistakes. <laughs> no, he he really he he digs Post Malone, and his whole thing was like, "Look, does it matter if he's an industry plant?" No, um, I don't care about this. I, it's not that I don't care about this subject. I just don't care how people get to where they get in their career. Right, right. It's I, like so. So let's, authenticity let's, let's do doesn't some, matter at all. What? Why is the music someone makes? authentic or not based on when they signed or got into the label apparatus like mm-hmm. all of Jimi hendrix records are on major labels i right? know i know but there's a level of fictory. actually Jimi hendrix you know I mean? is kind of an industry plan if we're let's let's talk definitions okay right an industry plan is someone who signs and becomes part of the label machinery and then does like i'm using air quotes you guys can't see underground promotional methods Mixtapes. It's a faux come sent, up. They sent Jimi Hendrix to England to play right. small clubs right. where they could have got him on bigger stages in America because right. right. so, they wanted it to seem organic. So he like literally is, by the definition we're working with, right. an industry plant. Does that make his music bad? Not necessarily. Right, right. I, but there's a little bit of uh, difference in terms of authenticity regarding, say, rap music and rock music, right? Yep. So, yep. I mean, I think it yep. goes back to, you know, when, NW, when NWA was talking about studio gangsters. So it's one thing if you're, like, talking about being a gangster and you're totally fucking fake about it, then there's issues with authenticity. But to your point, yeah, if you make good music, I don't give a fuck. Uh, do I really want to listen to music by people who actually shoot people? Or do I just want to yeah. listen to good music no, about for sure. shooting people? For sure, for sure. But it's like how you, you know. Well, who how you present who, yourself exactly? Well, exactly. who has the credibility? And maybe this is a, a another subject, but who has the credibility to tell those stories matters to me, right? And I know right, that, and right. I know that to some other people it does matter, and I know to some people just like to have a tag right. they can slap on to invalidate people, right? But when you're telling the particular type of story, like um, if you're telling take, some hood shit, if you're telling a, a hood narrative, like a let's say uh, Takashi Six Nine, for instance. Um, he's a studio gangster. Studio gangster, potential. But then he got involved in all this stuff to like then make himself it. authentic, and yeah. then like got immediately caught. He totally. did it backwards, right? Right? right yeah, right. yeah, yeah. But he he would be an example of you know actually you're exploiting other people's pain for your mm-hmm. own profit. If it was your pain, 
now I can deal with it, even though it's problematic, even though, you know, we can get into the moral quandary around that. But if that's your story and that's how you came up. Right. That's one thing. I, I look at a guy like uh, Rick Ross, for instance. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is where I'm like, OK, does authenticity matter to anyone anymore at all whatsoever? He did mm-hmm. not seem to get any less successful when the officer Ricky stuff happened. Totally. Yeah. totally. And, I, and I totally I think 50 thought that's what would happen, that right. he would lose mm-hmm. some character mm-hmm. or credibility and it mm-hmm. completely didn't happen i think in america being rich solves everything like he had gotten to a point in his career where his raps were more about his lavish lifestyle right, than right. about his street credibility so whether or not he earned the money by being a correctional officer which i've always heard they're very poorly paid right or moving weight and everybody knew he wasn't really freeway rick ross anyway right. so he right. had kind of weird bundles of authenticity issues anyway even rick ross freeway rick ross actually sued him Mm -hmm. right yeah Mm -hmm. for usage for usage of the name but it's kind of like you take rick ross is a great example because not only did was he not the character he portrays himself to be he also blatantly doesn't write his own stuff like he's just Mm -hmm. it's kind of Mm -hmm. this whoever is picking his beats should be owed the fortune yeah every every album he has a hot song and like this kind of updated take on like billionaire rap that sounds amazing right he's like right. in dolby and everybody else right. is in like he's the modern day barry white matrix he always yeah. has the most lush right. Uh, right. player music and and look it's fine because I'll, I'll listen to some of that stuff too i think where this starts to get a little dicier is when we get into and this is what me and my son were arguing about is is the post malone type of character right where i go there's there's nothing about his music that isn't already being done you know what I mean? If there's nothing that's new, original. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, you're the two-eyed Fetty Wap. I get it. You got it. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that, that's a hilarious term. But to me, he's uh, modern sublime. Oh, God. It's like taking oh. the like the, how they have their little hip-hop beats on oh. a couple of different songs. And I listened to a lot of sublime when I was in high school and college. And like, Did you practice Santeria? <laughs> <laughs> um who did? I'm trying Who to didn't? think of another like, No, that was perfect. Just, just that's the end of that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but I, I am the... a bad fish. <laughs> um, no, but the thing you you throw it's it's basically rock and roll, like classic rock with a little bit of punk um fuck you dad right. and a lot of hip hop drum programming. Right. That's that's Sublime, that's Post Malone, that's G-Love and Special Sauce. That is um G-Love and Special Sauce with a little less of the punk yeah, and a yeah, lot yeah. more of the drum programming, but they wanted to be like Diggable Planets or something right, right, like right, right. you have to want to be Run DMC or something. Got you. Um, Got you. Anyway, and then uh who was the other one who I was going to bring oh Fred Durst, uh Limp Bizkit. Oh, Limp Bizkit mm. turned up the punk a lot and mm-hmm. the hip hop like right. but it was the hip hop of that time, the kind of like shiny suit like crazy. Totally. You're Tritoned. a rock band with a DJ in yeah. the corner. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so anyway, but, but whether or not he's an industry plant doesn't have anything to do with him being authentic, really. And I'll just keep arguing this point with you guys, because being an industry plant depends on when you got signed and how you promote yourself. OK, that's okay. my that's how so, I am taking. This. So let's take it to the 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 number one person who kind of gets slapped with this tag, which is uh, Chance the Rapper. Right. Um, how are you independent if your albums are exclusive to Apple Music? Like, how right, did you negotiate right. that deal? You just right. knew how to do that because you like overalls? <laughs> but but <it laughs> that became, doesn't make sense, kind of. Right. And it became a key part of his story to the point where I didn't even question it. I'm like, this dude finessed Apple out of, totally, a, totally. Out of a deal. Oh, he was independent. But I'm like, oh, I guess that's not ind- independent. There's a huge backlash against him right now, but I think that record is good. Which I think, one? I, uh, coloring Book. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah. I, no, think, yeah. I think Acid Rap is a good mixtape, and... 
coloring book is a good album. That's an album. You yeah, definitely. You, you definitely, paid yeah. Young Thug. You paid Little Wayne. Yeah, yeah. You oh, have yeah, like professional yeah. sounding but, beats. But yeah. here's, an the, album. here's the thing. Totally. Here's the thing. They could have come out and just be like, yeah, he's he's an artist on Apple Music. They kind of concocted this whole story. And it, yeah. to my point earlier about living out someone else's narrative, now you're just stealing the narrative from the struggle rapper. I feel attacked. Like, why? Why did you? Why do we have to make a fake underground campaign? Uh, why does that add? How does that have added value for you? And if it does, then fuck y'all for that because you know yeah, how many guys that, are I, doing that. I think there's different levels of fakery, you know. So sure. like, Chance the Rapper doesn't bother me too much, but like right. a Post Malone, like. But you like to his your music, point, huh? You like his music, so he gets more of a pass. Don't you think that's not part of it? No, okay. no, I, not, not in I Chance the Rapper. I know, uh, totally. Just generally curious. No, no, no. I, with with him, I don't. Because he's again, he's not you know he he's not making music off of other people's pain or just being totally fake with it. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like the the fakeness of his rise, I don't fucking care about. It's yeah. more like him. Right, you know right, what right, I mean? right, right, right. And that's and the industry plant term is is about trajectory, right? It's like what path did you take to get there? I guess where I'm landing on this, and it's as a underground artist forever and ever and, and having moved and lived through this world mm. with so many talented people who actually have this story and nobody cares about it. Right. It only, it only to your point, uh, being rich solves everything. The underground on the come up narrative only is sweet if at the end of the day, you Apple is cutting you a or check. whatever. Yeah. You get money. Yeah. So the other <laughs> thing about Chance is like he speaks internet. He's good on Twitter. He's good mm -hmm. on like he he knows that everything needs to be a video and not a written blurb like right. that's a, that's a whole different thing and that there's a whole narrative there of people who've mastered the internet yes and sure. I, would, I would this is segueing into something totally different and we don't have to go totally down this rabbit hole but aoc yeah first sure. congressperson who actually understands the internet mm -hmm. right and she is like a huge rising star right in yeah the, the most complicated field but on mastering Earth. mastering messaging means something she also recently quit facebook which should be uh, totally. uh a message to all of us right, right. Uh, <laughs> totally. but but chance is a great example of that um we'll get into this on a on a future episode um the little nas x kid is a perfect example of that freaking doja cat is a perfect mm. perfect example mm. of it, that it didn't work for her she was pop for like five <laughs> minutes she and then people the found her old sweet yeah she blew the bag no but do you guys remember when people were talking about um odd future being industry plants I don't right. give a fuck if her old sweatshirt really skated or not, or you know, or right, 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 when right, he right. got into the business or who I mean, his managers you say are. That, I don't you, give a fuck you, about that. You say that, you say that, but then it's on the benefit of not knowing that because it did feel there's something cool about here's this organic click of folks. They've been making music forever. The story means something. Otherwise, labels wouldn't fake it. If that's if, true, if that's true. It didn't mean something. Then labels wouldn't go through such lengths to fake Tyler has story. receipts though he was begging these blogs to get on there and they didn't and then all of a sudden they did and there's right. something mm -hmm. to that right. there's this mm -hmm. awesome article I want to say it's on complex it's about the um the rise of Fairfax Avenue as like the streetwear mecca mm -hmm. for the world and it's actually odd future is really deeply involved in it mm -hmm. and like we interviewed and stuff and Tyler in particular like I think we all like Tyler's the RZA of odd yeah, future sure. right totally. it's all like kind of coming from him so um, he was he just hung out and then all of a sudden they wanted to hang out with him and like yeah. he, he mastered yeah. it. He he killed that yeah. again. If he had signed to what's he on Columbia or whatever, six months before the Odd Future mixtape came out, I wouldn't care. I don't care. That doesn't change his narrative. It just makes him smart. Mm. I don't know. 
Am I wrong here? Well, I, I guess I would just fall back to if that were the case, then labels would just do that. There's obviously some type of value add. It's easier for them to sell somebody who has the appearance of an organic come up. People like well, you're rap supposed to become locally famous, then regionally famous, right. then nationally right. famous, like three six mafia. Right. Right. It, I don't really think that's how it works anymore. I could be tripping. Mm-hmm. But we, since we don't have any famous rappers from around here, I could, we don't have anyone we can like reach out and ask. <laughs> like they just moved to L.A. Right. Uh, right. But like with the Internet, it's like flattening. Right. Yeah. Like no, you don't yeah. need to become regionally famous. Like that's true. You yeah. just skip to the part where you're famous. Yeah. Right. And then right. if you are not a like bigot on Twitter, you get to stay that way. <laughs> Doja Cat. Just brief, but uh, I don't know if you guys have been following this. The Niners have the number two pick in the draft, and this yeah. dude, Joey Bosa, is supposed to Saw be it. the number two pick, and he's like a full-on Trump yeah. dude. He oh, deleted from his Ohio. tweets. He's that's trying right. to delete all his right. tweets and stuff, but like, th- it's out there, it bro. lives forever. The screenshots right. is out there. And I, I, you know, I don't care about football anymore, but I was a lifelong Niners fan. I don't want the Niners to draft him. I yeah. don't care how many sacks he would get. Yeah. He's not going to fit in around here. I just don't want him to work, period. <laughs> right. I want right. it to be I broke on his couch. Yeah. Like, when you when you take shots at Draymond Green. Totally, dude. Me and you have beef forever. Totally. And ever and ever and ever. Except um, for if you call him Ponchi. That's cool. <laughs> 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 oh, man. All right. So, in, in summation, it ain't where you're from. It's who you sign with. Let's be, let's be <laughs> it's real. It's who you at. It's who you at <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> I dropped. That was a great. Thanks nice. for picking that up. Nice. I kind of bricked that, and then yeah. Nate came back yeah. and slammed no, uh, it. So just quick callback Nate to with the tip in. Our, own, our own episode. That's what she said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you just don't get to do those much anymore. Dad by Rap pod, pod After Dark. <laughs> yeah. Ladies and gentlemen. Um, the... Uh, when Jeff Weiss was on, he, we I, we asked him about the industry plant thing. Right. I was like right. obsessed with it. This is last year sometime, and he's like, I don't know, it doesn't really matter. But Rory was definitely an industry. <laughs> <player. Remember him? laughs> yes, that totally. kid with the goofy hats. Totally, and he's yeah. gone. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. whether or not you being an industry plant doesn't always work either. No, it it, it doesn't, doesn't always. It work. doesn't. A uh, blockhead recently tweeted about Phil Knight's son the Nike CEO who mm-hmm. tried to have a, a rap album in the early 90s. I feel like I remember that. Um, and it totally bombed. You, does anybody remember Lucas with the lid off? Oh, yeah. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, that was he, a big, like, MTV. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, uh, MTV 2. Like, Ultimate industry plan. <laughs> hey. Like, yeah. It's Lucas oh. with the lid off. Oh, man. Yeah. Was that really just logic? <laughs> <laughs> Middle school logic. It's logic with the lid on. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of lids, and I just want to put a bow on this. Because I bought one and now it just sits on my house on a peg. Uh, Chance the Rapper made more money from those hats than he ever made from music. And that will probably go down as his number one contribution to like the current moment. I heard those hats were plants. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> the hats actually didn't have a narrative. But, no, I'm just kidding. It was actually his fourth hat, but it had a three on it. <laughs> That's weird, man. I don't oh, know. Oh, man. Oh, so good. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that hat hanging up and I, I went. I never could see you wearing it. I got caught up in the moment. I can never, I can never, number one, I've never seen you wear like 
a, a baseball style cap, but even that one is like stovepipey, right? So right. Is right. The right. Thing. Isn't right. it longer? I like an unstructured hat. It like rests because I have a big head anyway. It kind of rests on the top of my Same. head. This has this like insanely high crown. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like having yeah. like a high rise jeans. They're like yeah. all up to the middle of my yeah. gut. It's like I w- I would like to look taller, but this isn't how it's gonna <laughs> yeah. do it. Yeah. I gotta get the Bart Simpson like vertical uh, stripe suit. Walk with a, the lifts. Walk a chihuahua. Chihuahua. Yeah. yeah, not in the Sergeant Pepper's way. Of, yeah. I get you. Yeah, I, I wore you. it a couple times. I actually wore it to the Kanye show that I went to, and everyone was like, wrong guy, bro. And I'm like, I don't have a Kanye hat. I just That's got hilarious. this. I thought it would seem cool. That's Fuck hilarious. you, young people. <laughs> <laughs> they was really concerned, though. Other white kids were like, no, that's the other guy. Yes. I'm like, Fuck. <laughs> I have not been studying hip hop for 25 years to be coming told off by these little shits in Supreme. Oh man! But every every concert tour has merch, and I found this out because uh, Childish Gambino came to town, and there were a bunch of kids like wearing Childish Gambino shit, mm-hmm, and yeah. I'm like, "There's no way." No, they love him. There's no way he has gear. But yeah, everybody everyone has gear. Everyone has gear. Everyone should have gear. Yeah. That would be the only way we would ever make money. Segway. Get off our imaginary Patreon. Get our pro tip shirts. Pon- ponchy t-shirts, dude. That's what you should sell. Ponchy pro tip. Ponchy pro tips coming. Ponchy uh, Draymond Green uh, jerseys. We uh, we want to give a quick shout out to uh, AV Club. Yes. Um, oh, yes. Dude. AV Club gave us an unsolicited shout out. We are not industry plants. We did not. Before. <laughs> um, they gave us an unsolicited uh, shout out, reviewed our hard to earn retrospective. Episode. It was in their pod mass column yeah. Um, yeah. a couple weeks ago by the time you hear this. But that was that was hella cool. Yeah, man. very yeah. grateful for that. Thank you, guys. I was yeah. still on vacation and uh, you texted me and I would just like started wandering around the house. Like it gave me yeah. all this nervous <laughs> energy. I was just like, oh, this is cool, man. Like yeah. getting some recognition like. I don't we know what here. to do now. I, yeah, I well. have to like wander around. Like totally. I just like it, it like totally made my day. And it's a nice little write up. We can use it as a blurb on yeah, promo materials totally. and stuff. Yes. So that was yes. hella cool. It's nice to have some eyes. Totally. Know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh we appreciate everybody that's been uh tuning in and listening. We promise you that our come up is organic. Uh <laughs> we're we're legit broke right now. And um, you know, stick with us and maybe you know, I'm just working to the point where people could say this is when the show was real. I just I want to get to a point where people are like, yeah, they're on 300, but they used to be real back in episode 65. That's that's how I want to set this. It run doesn't up get realer us. than our Prince Paul episode, guys. Yeah, no, seriously. You want to hear some struggle pod? Yeah. Struggle pod? <laughs> want to hear some uh, grimy aesthetics? The oh, struggle man. pod auteurs. Lo-fi, lo-fi pod. Right. Uh, lo-fi interview. Low lo-fi interview. So no fire, so, no fire, no fire. Uh, we are, we appreciate you um, sticking with us while we. I think we came to Jesus on industry plants. I think we. I think there was harmonic convergence there. It don't matter. <laughs> it don't matter if you if if you if you make good music, you make good music. Um, the way that you come up does not ma- nah fuck that it's America. <laughs> it's America narrative rags to riches stories like the. Fucking Lil Nas X kid, people coming from obscurity and and going big time will always be fun. Well, I think by that strict narrow definition of industry plan, like you were saying, right. then yeah, I guess I don't I don't care if the, right. as long as the music's good. But authenticity and and fakery matters to me in music and and by which artists, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. By whom? It's a sliding scale, but yeah, I hear you. Okay. I, we have to go because we have a great <laughs> guest coming up. I got him at the end. You say I boxed him, but. 
we're I arm wrestling ju- right uh, now. While I was on vacation, I read the uh, history of gangster rap by former guest Soren Baker. I shut finally up, got around up. to it. I'm like in these little quaint Italian villages uh, wow. reading about iced tea, which is very much <laughs> on brand for Sipping me. Sipping iced tea. And, uh, you know, is Ice Cube a authentic gangster, guys? No. He's the most but do you have a problem with him? Air conditioning salesman <laughs> in the history. Um, well, careers also evolved. I sure though. don't. Careers also evolved. But he when was he, doing his hardest shit when he was the least gangster. Nah, I know, I know. He's a high school student in Arizona. I know. Right? I know and I know. he's like fucking saying fuck the police and that he's going to like kill everyone. It doesn't yeah. make any I, I, I will say I this. I, I, I've I, thought I, it, I have thought about that, too. I thought authenticity but, mattered to me, too. But then now I kind of realize that it doesn't. But, 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 but fuck that's the police. Diff- yeah. That, that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a exactly. ton of other yeah, songs on that album. Right, right. But I'll say this. I'll say this. Ice Cube was at any point still hood adjacent he wasn't from rancho cucamonga mm. you know what i mean he was still exposed these weren't things that he heard about so w- <laughs> when we did our scale of zero to the most gangster we put right. easy e at the top of the most gangster scale right? right he didn't even write his own raps so by kind of our like <laughs> underground but, but cube e- was still aesthetic ethos he wouldn't be authentic yeah, Cube was still, not that he's not an authentic gangster. He's not really an authentic MC, which, is a I, I, would, which, right. which I would totally, right. I would agree with totally you on that. Different conversation, but, but I'm just saying. But Cube, it really Cube at least knew Easy E. If you had to get some coke right now, you would have a problem doing that. I don't know about that. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> not a bump. Wait, <laughs> wait. Well, I don't know about weight. I don't need weight, but you know. I, I wasn't talking about personal hard. need. I'm making a <laughs> I'm making a metaphor about proximity. All right, all right. You know right. what? We've got an interview coming up that we need to um, we need to stop <laughs> arguing about. <laughs> <laughs> Nate's gonna do a bump. We'll be right back. Dad by rap part. No, I'm not. <laughs> Dad Bod Rap Pod, another dope interview today. We have one below, a uh, lot of dope solo work. You would also know him from his work with Binary Star. How's it going, man? Pretty good, man. Thanks for having me, y'all. Yeah, right on. So we, we want to talk a little bit about the the beginnings, the beginnings, beginnings. Um, is it true, the legend, that Binary Star formed inside Juvenile Hall? Uh... I uh, yes and no. I mean, like, <laughs> binary. So this is then not juvenile hall. So once upon a time, I was in high school, and I used to ride with some homies, and we would, you know, make a long story short, we was in a group called the Spooks, spontaneous mm. peoples or other kind of shit. It was mm. my guy Malachi came to me. We all rapped in school, but he came to me. He said, "Yo, I'm about to start this group called the Spooks. It's gonna be me, you, No, and this little nigga named Ross." And I was like, all right, let's do it. You know what I mean? And Ross, a.k.a. Sanam Silla, so we was all in this group together. And, you know, a couple months later, whatever, whatever, you know, I got away from high school. You know what I mean? Um, that summer, we was wilding out. Me and uh, Sanam, we ended up going to prison together. Mm. And so during that time, you know, I was in prison, and I said, yo, Ross. I'm like, man, me and you, we, we locked up. 
Like, they normally don't put rap partners together on the same case in the same prison. We had the same exact amount of time. We went in at the same time. We came out at the same time. I'm like, yo, man, I, I looked I look at it as, as a divine sign. I'm like, yo, we here for a reason. I'm like, we got to come up with something that's, like, dope like the Spooks. I'm talking about a name. We got to come up with a name like the Spooks. It's just, like, it rings like the Spooks, but it's, like, dope like that, right? Mm. So he said, yeah. So I remember, I remember going inside my, going back into my cubicle, um, you know, and I started looking in a dictionary, like, you know, do all, do all this, like double, you know what I mean? I was just looking for different words and then I got to buy and I was like, okay, buy, binary, binary code, binary digit, binary star, two stars that appear to be one, but they revolve around each other. I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and then when they called us out for the yard, I went out in the yard, he was sitting at the picnic table. I just handed him the piece of paper. I said, yo, look at this. He read it, and then he looked up at me and just smiled like, yeah. So that's where Binary started, and it ain't Binary started. We was rapping together, you know, already, but I mean, the group, Binary Star and the name, we were in prison together. So yeah, you could say, Binary Star was born in prison because in, in that context, yeah, but we was already rapping together, but the name Binary Star, and like, you know, we was in prison and people, you know, like, dude didn't know what we was talking about because it's just something that, that I just made up. So I'm in there like, yeah, Binary Star, they're like, Binary Star, what's this? And you know, then in prison, you know, you don't think a cat is going to be Binary Star. Like, we come from Pontiac. If anything, we would have been like the the, 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 the the Binary Killers or something like that, you know what I mean? Right. So yeah, man, that's that's where it came from, though. And then, so you guys, did you start working on the tracks that became Waterworld when you were locked up? No. Okay. So so we were only locked up kind of briefly, like two and a half years or something like that. Um, and when we came, when I came home, I can only speak for myself. It was like. It was like I was a free agent. Like, homies was coming over like, yo, what you been up? We've been doing this. We've been doing that. Come to the studio. Like, look what we've been doing. So it was different groups of people, but like, you know, Deacon Pauls, he was the homie. And clearly I still fuck with Deacon Pauls. And it's, at, at, back in the day, Deacon Pauls was D-flat, mm-hmm. right? So when we were in prison, you know, like, our, some of our friends were still out here making music. They were still going to the studio. They were still doing that kind of thing, right? So when I came home, they was like, yo, what's up? You know, what's up with the strategic union thing we're doing? What's up with the odd couple? What's up with this? And I was like, nah, I'm doing this binary star. And I know I asked Deacon Pose, I was like, what did you think, man, when I came home from prison? Because this was like 97. Mm-hmm. People were still doing demos and sending them to record labels. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I, so imagine me coming home from prison. They're like, what you talking about? I'm like, I'm about, to st- I'm about to make these beats. You ever made beats before? Nope. <laughs> who putting the record out we putting the record out you ever put a record out no what in the hell is you talking about uh, but you know but, but but for whatever reason cash just fell in line and they got behind me i don't know why i mean i, I know why but i don't know why you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. they were all, all you know people think like we all here we already hitting the clubs we already hitting the studios so the cool part about that is when i came home because Decompose was already working with DJ Uppercut, because he was already going to the studio, because he was already doing certain things, I came home and just plugged into that. Mm. It's not like I started nothing new. It was like Decompose was doing, he was still making beats. So, like, when I came home, 
the only records I had was the records that that I got from my dad's basement. Cause I, I went I went to prison when I was in high school, like right after I graduated, you know. So I remember when I was in prison, you know, after a couple of years, my mom was like, "Hey, I'm about to throw all these records away." Ooh. I'm like, "No, I'm not throw away my records." <laughs> no, 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 no. Let me tell you. Let me tell you the back. The first thing she said was, I'm about to throw these comic books away. I'm like, no, I'm not throwing my comic books. She's like, well, I'm going to throw away these records. I was like, no, nah, don't throw away the records. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> so when I came off of prison, you know, my little brother was only five. He, like, I see, like, Wolverine pages ripped all over the house and shit. But, <laughs> but, but, I still had, but I still had some records in the basement. So that was my first stash of records. And, like, I didn't know shit about gear. But, like, because Dick Capone was working with certain people, like, we started working with D.L. Jones, and he had an SP950, he had the SP1200, you know, that's the legendary rig right there. Mm -hmm, so, we just got lucky and started working with, because back then, if you had gear, you was probably for real, you know what I mean? Yeah, mm. yeah. Because you didn't have, like, PlayStation Beats and, like, you know, I could download shit. It was like, whoever bought gear probably had real gear. They probably went to school to learn it. You know, that kind of thing. So if you went to the studio, we were still paying $50 an hour. So the only gear I had was, like, I, you know, I kind of had a turntable, but all I had was records. So my boy Pat had to had the gear. So we would start going to his house. We was paying twenty dollars an hour to sample our records and flip our records. So mm. I told Dick Capone's, I said, "Look, man, you're gonna be a part of this. You know what I mean? Just let's rock." So me and Dick Capone's was kind of like binary style on the beats, mm. okay. and then me and Ross was kind of like binary style on the lines. You know, okay. so I came up with this concept: binary style in prison, two stars that revolve around each other. It was never meant to be like, it's me and this guy. That was like our camp. Whoever these two stars were. So like I said, Dio Jones was a part of that. Mm. Pose was a part of that. Sanan Silver, like all of Malachi. Or, you know, I started working with my cousin. Because after Uppercut, DJ Uppercut, he was from Boston. But he went to the University of Michigan. So the only reason I got out of Pontiac, because we was going up to Ann Arbor to see this deep, like, man, I'm fresh out of prison. I'm from the hood. I don't have no business being on campus. This is what I'm thinking, right? <laughs> I have no fucking business. So I remember we would go out to U of M, and Rick would be out there practicing in his room. And you know how DJs, before DJs start making beats, they'd be like, yo, check out this record. It got drums on it. Right. Check out this record. It got a dope bass line. Mm -hmm. So he would be feeding those records and I, you know, that's where Slang Blade came from. That's where certain bass lines came from because our DJ, you know, DJs be digging. And we'd be like, oh, okay, cool. And then he started making beats and he started feeding us records. <laughs> but, but by that time, Rick had moved to L.A. And my cousin Ro was like, I want to be a DJ. And I'm like, look, man, anybody can buy records and buy a turntable. But like being a DJ, blah, 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 blah. So me and him started going digging and we would go digging and hit memories and melodies and like that kind of thing. I'm fresh out of prison. Um, and we just started building. I remember going to a show one time in Ann Arbor for the first time, U of M. Beniquez was a DJ. That's where I met Athletic Mike League. That's where I met Invincible. They was all from Ann Arbor. And I'm only hanging out here because my cousin goes to school at Eastern Michigan, which is in Ypsilanti, right next to Ann Arbor. So that's where it was shows popping off. It was other people doing stuff. It wasn't really like a lot of stuff like that happened in Pontiac. Like being from Pontiac, we had to go to Detroit to open mics. We had to go to Flint. We had to go to Ann Arbor. We had to go to East Plain. We had to go wherever it was at. Sometimes stuff would happen in Pontiac, but not really. So we just went wherever. 
right? And because I know I'm from Pontiac, I'm not from Detroit. I know they're not gonna give me shit. They're not gonna they're mm-hmm. not gonna just show me love just because. So we gotta go in there and kick down the door. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So yeah, we just that's kind of how it started. I don't want to like cause the mic, but that's kind of oh, how it started. Great. And it's funny. It's kind of funny because I didn't I didn't have gear, so I would, we would like sample like uh, I was I would tape like my records so I could listen to them in the car, we could listen to them in our headphones. So by the time we eventually got to the studio, I knew all my samples by heart, and we was me and Dick Pose was paying twenty dollars an hour, so we could go to Pat's house like three four hours at a time. The Binary Star early records have a really unique sound. Uh, how did you guys arrive at that that particular sound? You know, I don't have a, I don't have no technical training. I just know what I like. So the engineer will be like, "There's too much bass." I'm like, "Man, I like it like that." You know what I mean? Like when I went to when I went to sample KGB, Pat was like, "You can't sample that. There's no bass line." I'm like, "Man, fuck that. I'm gonna put 808s on it." You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Decompose. When I came home, decompose was like, "We gotta do 16 bars and and a hook, and an eight bar hook." I'm like, "Fuck 16 bar verses and fuck eight bar hooks." Like when you listen to Master of the Universe. You don't hear a lot of sixteen bar verses on there. And we sometimes we got two hooks. Sometimes there's no hook. You know what I mean? Because you know I like Mob Deep, I like Doc Effects, but it's like, you know, it's hard for me to listen to certain albums because they get kind of monotonous. Like this guy goes first, then hook, then this guy goes second, and then the next song he goes first, hook second, then the next song he goes first, hook second. So I was like, no, on this song you spit twelve, I'm gonna spit eight, then you spit twelve, and then on the next verse I'm gonna spit eight, you spit twelve, I spit eight. On this song you spit twenty four, I'm gonna spit eight. On this joint you go solo. Okay, on this joint you go sixteen, sixteen, sixteen. Okay, this joint we gonna have our friends on it, but there ain't gonna be no hooks. I wanted to like, and it wasn't like. We was making an album. We was recording songs with our friends. Decompose had songs. I had songs. Ross had songs. Malachi was working on stuff. Whatever, whatever. And so one time we was in, when we got our parole, we started going to Chicago. So one of the first times we went to Chicago, that's where we met Juice in person. We watched this show with Mike One. He put together the show. Rest in peace. He just died not too recently. Um, I was in a store called Gramophone. And I was looking around the store, and I was like, Eureka! I had a Eureka moment. I was like, yo. I said, we should put out a compilation album with all of our stuff on it, and we should call it Waterworld. I said, because we... Okay, let me tell you about Waterworld, the original, original Waterworld. So being from Pontiac, you know, we, we're from Pontiac. We represent Pontiac, right? You go to, We would go to Cafe Mahogany, and you go out to Detroit, and everybody's like, Detroit, you know... People from Flint would come out, yo, Flint Town, Flint Town, you got to hand out with ace dudes, ace dudes, you got the sack, the sack and all. And I'm like, you know, everybody's representing their shit, you know, whatever, whatever. But I'm like, you know what? Wu-Tang is from Staten Island. But no, UMC is from Staten Island. Wu-Tang is from Shaolin. That's something different. Is this the same place? You know what I mean? And, you know, some people were saying the murder man, some people were saying this. And like me, I just didn't want to be on the same shit. So I was like, yo... When we get to shows, I'm going to say Waterworld. Because if I say Pontiac, I'm going to Detroit Pontiac. Nobody cares. If you say uh, Lansing, nobody cares. But when I say Waterworld in Detroit, it's still Waterworld. When I say Waterworld in Saginaw, it's still Waterworld. When I say Waterworld in Chicago, it's still Waterworld. So everybody was putting their hands up. People, man, I would go to shows with other mitts, representing Michigan. Motherfuckers start coming to shows wearing other mitts. And we was kind of like uniting the scene in that kind of way. You get what I'm saying? So, 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 so Waterworld, 
metaphorically is Michigan, but but it's also the earth, but it's also the I mean, it's we live in the water world. Your body's water world. You know what I mean? So make a long story short, when I'm in this record store, I'm like, yo, we should come up, we should call the album Water World so people know where that term came from. Because people going to start saying Water World. But if we don't claim it, you know, it's like, oh, we said it first. We said it first. So I'm like, we're going to call the album Water World. And Water World was intentionally supposed to be a compilation album with all of our crew on it. So I'm like, okay, Ross recorded Slang Blade, so that's his joint. Um, Decompose got Freaking Flows, What It's All About, Any 500, that was all his joints. I got Evolution of Man, Glenn Close, One Man Army, those my joints. Okay, Malachi don't have a joint, but okay, I'm going to make a beat and I'm going to get Malachi and Elzai and Juice of the so I'm going to get them on it. Uh, AML was in our crew. Okay, I don't got no AML songs, but I got a song that I can get AML on. So all I was trying to do was represent as much as our crew as possible. So my original intention was we're going to put out this compilation album and raise money to put out a real album. Like, Why the World is not even our album. It's like me, it's like all of our friends coming together saying blah. But when that shit came out, people was like, oh, this is classic. You know, the people that know about it, this is classic, binary style. And I'm like, whoa, these people think this is our album, dog. I'm like, they think this is our, I'm like, they think this is our album. So when TIC finally hit us up talking about doing distribution and all that kind of stuff, I'm like, yo, um, I'm, you know, so, so let me say this about production. So I'm just making beats. We just making beats. We just doing this thing. And like, you know, whatever. So when we put out Waterworld, um, in 97 or 98, uh, like, I'm, I'm still digging, I'm still finding records. Like, when you listen to Waterworld, there's no interludes on Wolfman Jack. There's no KGB interlude with the Russian roulette. There's no, you know what I mean? So, you know how you listen to a record sometimes, and I'm like, oh, man, like, I wish I did this. I wish I would have did that. So when TIC, when TIC hit us up to put out the album, I'm like, yo, I got an opportunity to go back and make this shit tighter, dog. I'm about to do that. Everybody was like, no, nah, that was classic. Don't touch it. You know, because I'm not saying people didn't, then I'm not saying people was like telling me not to do stuff. It's just every time I had an idea, it was like, no, nah, why you like, leave it, leave it alone. It's dope. I'm like, no, dog, I got to put this only with this. I have to put this on the record. I got to put this Wolfman Jackson on the record. I got to put this on the record. I got to go back and remix One Man Army. I got to go back and do this shit the way that it's supposed to sound like to me. You know what I mean? And by that time, so so here's the thing. When people say, like, why did Binary Star break up? They're, I said it on the album, fan. A lot of people going to look at Binary Star and think we a crew. But in reality, we two MCs that just revolve around each other. And that's how we shine. Now, I said that I said that in that interview because me and Ross was there. But if all of my crew was there, I, I would have said it totally different. I was saying a lot of people are going to think we're a group, but we're not a group. We just revolve around each other, and that's how we sign. Binary style is a concept. The reason nobody knows this is because around November, if you would have told me in October 1999 that I wouldn't be kicking it with Shanine, somebody who I went to prison with, I went to high school with him. We took our shahadas together. We made salat together. We made music together. Like, I know him in a way that his parents, nobody knows because we was in jail together. You know what I mean? So what I'm saying is, if you would have told me in October 99 that we wouldn't be rapping together, I would have laughed at you hysterically. But in November 1999, we had this conversation. And, like, you know, between me and you, well, not between me and you, but, like, you know, I'm an artist. 
And I feel like people should honestly express themselves the way they want to, right? So when Sanan was coming at me, here's my recollection of the story. Sanan was like, bro, you know, I want to be different. I'm like, what do you talk about, man? Well, you are different. We are different. He's like, I want to rock with a live band. I want to do this. I want to do that. I was like, look, man, I think you should do whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. Do that shit. You know what I'm saying? And I'm going to do this shit. You know what I mean? And he was like, you know, I think we should still keep the terrorist records. I was like, man, you can have that shit. Like, I, I don't even want to do that no more. I mean, it was a little deeper than that, you know, because it was involving some business and other things. But what it boiled down to for me is, look, I don't want to tell people how they should do their music, how they should record, where they should record, how they should rap. Like, you should, you know, because it ain't no democracy when it comes to me spitting a verse. Or, like, if the crew want to jump off the cliff, I'm not doing it. That's not what I want to do. If I want to jump off the cliff and the crew don't want to do that, that's what I'm going to do. But that's why I have binary star shit. That's why I got subterranean shit. That's why I got autocon shit. And that's why I got one B roll shit. When one B roll want to talk about the ghetto, I can do that. I don't got to ask that. Come on, y'all. Let's talk about the ghetto. Let's do some double essays. Come on, y'all. Like, I asked Zika Paul, I said, man, what did you think, man, when I was telling you, like, I want to do a song about a werewolf. I want to do a song about a love song about an alien. I want to, like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I know what I was thinking then, but like, what the hell was I thinking, bro? <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck? So anyways, all of us was creative in our own way. You know what I mean? But this is how the stuff was coming. And it wasn't like we're a group and this is our timeline and this is whatever. We were just making music and like all of those records, we just started swapping them together. Like, okay, let's slap this song. So when it was time to reissue and put out Waterworld, I'm like, you know what? We pressed up a thousand copies. We've been out here rocking shows. Some people already got the album. I'm like, if I rearrange the, resequence the album and rearrange the song, because like on one world, I think uh, the first song is called. I think New Hip Hop was the first track. If I if I I know Reality Check is not the first song, but on Master the Universe, I put Reality Check first. We put the interludes on there, and another thing I did too, I was like, yo. Since they think Binary Star is two people that revolve around each other, they're going to put this out. I'm like, let's make it more of a Binary Star record. So we took off what it's all about. I took off um, the fast food joint. Uh, what it's all about is a song with me and Decompose. That's all Waterworld. Uh, so Freaking Flows is all Waterworld. That's a Decompose song featuring me, right? I took the two decomposed songs off because I figured, you know what? So if you think about Waterworld, if I'm not mistaken, Ross was only rapping on like nine or ten songs on a 19-track album or whatever, 17-track album. So I was like, let me take these two decomposed songs off because decomposed is still doing beats. He's still representing in our crew. And let me put more representation of Ross on there. So we had songs like Rebirth. Uh, what is it called now? Solar Power. What we originally recorded was called Rebirth and Guessing Game, and I know why the K-Square sings. My man D.O. Jones did those three beats. Rebirth, Guessing Game, I know why the K-Square sings. I know I'm talking kind of fast, but I know we showing our time and all that. Um, so, Pat, at the time, he had moved to Atlanta. And I was like, yo, Pat, they want to uh, repress the album. I'm like, yo, let me get the files so I can mix the, mix the records. He was like, oh, I can't find the tapes. I'm like, cool. Hey, decompose. Let's make more beats. Like me, I, we make beats. So I don't look for other beats. For my, like, I don't care about rapping on other people's beats. I make beats. I never said I was a dope producer. I just like making beats or rapping on my own beats. So I said, decompose. Let's make the beats. So he made a beat. I'm like, bet. Let's call that 
Okay, instead of calling it a guessing game, let's call it, I don't even know why I came up with this title. I said, let's call it Master of the Universe. Okay, instead of calling this Rebirth, let's call it Solar Power. And then I know what the Cage Bird sings. Originally, it was just one track, but then Decomposed made these two tracks. And I'm like, oh, this shit's kind of long. Let's switch up the beats in between. You know what I mean? So we added those three songs, and that's more Sinai. So now Sinai is on like 14 songs on the album instead of 10. You get what I'm saying? And I know how the Cage Bird sings. I know how the Cage Bird sings was an, was an addition. Uh, Solar Power was an addition. And uh, and what's the other one? And Master of the Universe. And then I said, yo, if we change the sequence, if we add some stuff, now even the people who already have the album will have to go back and get the new one. You know, I'm thinking like that. Like, yo, if we change the artwork. So I went to my boy Kenji. I said, yo, Kenji. Kenji is a comic book illustrator. He was in Detroit at the time. I used to go over there. We used to talk about comic books and karate flicks all the time. I said, Kenji. I need artwork ASAP. I don't give a fuck what you do. Whatever you do, I'm not even going to edit. We're just going to use it. So he put together this thing. as a mic floating in space, whatever, whatever. And I was like, fuck it. We, I sent that off. And people were like, this doesn't look like a hip-hop album. This looks like a techno album or this looks like a house music album or whatever. And it's funny because now people are like, oh, the artwork is so dope. I'm like, man, y'all funny, man. But it's funny. Because, like, when you're doing this shit, people are like, oh, why are they doing it like that? Why is he doing it like that? So the reason why none of this ever got explained, because going back to November 1999, me and Ross kind of went on, when I said we went on separate ways, I wasn't beefing with him. He was still my dog. I was still going to his house every day. But at this time, now I'm like, hey, right, you do your thing, I'm going to do mine. Now I would go to the I would go to the studio and I'm recording used to be Fry. I'm recording E. T. I'm recording Alphabet Soup and I would you know, the same thing. We would make beats and like the first thing I would do after I would make beats, I would go to my crew and be like, Check this out. I would write a verse and call decompose on the phone, like, yo, check this out. I said this. He would be like, Yo, I said that. Like that's how we got down. So when I started doing solo more solo songs, I would go around and I would be playing stuff and I'd be like, Oh, I guess like my fuckers ain't trying to do this shit. You know what I'm saying? Because we ain't working together. You know what I mean? So, and then Russ eventually ended up moving to L.A. And so he just wasn't even around. Uppercut wasn't around. He moved to L.A. So we just kept making music. I told Decompose in 2000. I said, yo, I'm getting ready to start this thing called Subterraneous. And I'm not asking no questions. So, you know, do you want to be a part of it or no? He was like, oh, I'm down. And then I said, yo, let's start this Trackers Race thing. We're going to be the foundation of subterranean. Because for me, it always been about beats. For me, it always been about beats. But after, like, so the way I describe Binary Star, Master of the Universe, it's like we threw these. I knew our crew wasn't going to be in that form. But me and Decompose, like, we're Binary Star. You know what I'm saying? So me and Decompose is Binary Star on the Binary Star album. We're Binary Star on the Sonogram album. We're the Binary Star on the Fetus album. We're Binary Star on Stillborn. We're, like, we're two stars revolving around each other. You get what I'm saying? I've been revolving around Decompose since high school, since chemistry class. That's Binary Star. But when Ross stopped coming around, like, so make a long story short, when I started the Subterraneous thing in 2000, I had already had, so, like, you know, I'm, I'm a studio rat, man. So I recorded Project Phoenix, Project Sonogram, uh, Masters of the Universe, all of them, Waterworld 2, all of those songs got recorded at the same time. 
So when Sonogram came out in 2005, but it's songs on Sonogram that's older than songs on Masters of the Universe. You feel what I'm saying? So people would be like, oh, your music's getting better. And I would laugh because I'm like, this shit's old as fuck. Like, it's not, it's not new music. It's like, you know what I mean? So I've never, I've never recorded an album and put it out the same year. I always record albums and put them out three, four, or five years later because I got so much music. You know what I mean? So people are like, oh, when is the next album dropping? And it's like me, I was just slapping records together. Like, oh, let me slap these songs together. Sonogram. People are like, oh, this classic. I'm like, that's, I'm like, that's strange. I'm not even making albums. I'm just slapping songs together. You know what I mean? One, can you talk to us a little bit about the influence that Detroit and the kind of bigger hip hop? So I probably wouldn't even be the same MC if I didn't go to Detroit, if I wasn't hanging out with Elzai, if I wasn't hanging out with Juice, if I wasn't hanging out with, like, yeah. you know, on the scene. Like, we mm -hmm. were seeing each other. We were going to St. Andrews every Friday. House Shoes was a resident DJ, three floors of front every Friday. You know what I mean? And you would go to St. Andrews and you would see cats on the scene. You know what I mean? Like, these cats yeah. now, we all OGs now, but with Guilty Simpson, when we started hanging out in Ann Arbor, man, our first show <laughs> was with the Dreadnoughts. <laughs> That's Guilty Simpson, Super MC, all of them. Like, we met them. Right. We met Hex Murder. We met these hood niggas out of Ann Arbor. And I remember my first show in Ann Arbor. I was like, yo, when I went to prison, yo, hip-hop was black, yo, <laughs> in my world. You know what I'm saying? Like, Source Magazine. When I came home from prison, it was people was talking about Master P. They was talking about East Coast versus West Coast. I'm like, what the fuck is going on, yo? I'm like, I don't even think people going to fuck with our shit because everybody's talking about No Limit. Everybody's talking right. about Death Row. So Pac had just died. I'm like, you know, I'm over here talking about this is how I represent. I'm like, I'm like, 10 percent. I'm like, how are these white kids going to even understand what I'm saying, yo? Like, yeah. they, they, I don't think they're going to understand me. This is how I represent. I'm like, I'm like, 110 percent is intimate. I keep the party moving. Like, that's my mentality back there. Like, they're not going to get that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I didn't really kick it with white dudes like that. And then it just fucking surprised me. Like, people were like, ah, why do we start? Because back then, a lot of people on the scene, you know, their beats was like, oh, the cat, the ball, the cat, the ball. You know, in my yeah. opinion, like, people started buying Billa style. All day. So a All lot day. of people, they would go to shows, and every, like, the whole motherfucking night would be the same vibe. But when, when we got on stage, when we got on there, you would see and people didn't even know us, but they was rocking with us because our shit was just, we had that B-boy shit, you know what I'm saying? And so we came out of Pontiac and they couldn't, I don't know if the Detroit cats wanted to fuck with us or not, but they couldn't, they, they had to because people was fucking with us, we had the crowd, our shit was dope, so we never had problems integrating on other scenes, you know what I'm saying? So and let, I just kept let, doing let it, ask, kept doing it. Let me ask you this, let me ask you this, and and we appreciate you sharing the whole history here, man. We we definitely appreciate you coming on. In closing, you want to tell us what's what's up next? What can we look for coming soon from One Below? Coming soon for One Below, I just recorded an audio book. So, right. so, so I wrote a book. So I was writing a book, and I started writing this book ten years ago, right. and I didn't know it was gonna take ten years. But it's a it's a lyrical bio, basically. I took my biographical rhymes and rearranged them in chronological order. So ten years ago, uh, when I moved to Egypt, I told my wife, I said, "Yo, I got to do something different." Yep. Like if I, you know, so baby, I recorded this album called Baby. That's the first time I recorded that album. 
that's the first time I said I'm gonna sit down and record an album, like because before I was just slapping songs together and put them out. You know what I'm saying? Like Sonogram, and you know Sonogram, that was my record. But like now, people are telling me Sonogram is this. But when Sonogram came out, nobody was saying that. When Sonogram came out, people was like, "Oh, Master of the Universe." Then when I put out the next record, it's like, "Oh, Sonogram." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no. So, anyways, when I went to Seattle. Now my family's in Cairo, so now I like you know I don't have a reason to just chill in Pontiac now. Like so now when I come back to the states, I might chill six months in Seattle. I might be three months in D.C. I might go to L.A. for two months because like where's the work at? So now I'm in Seattle. I'm better with Master Monkeys, you know, and I started work. So I did this album called Rebirth at the time. You know, I was on Fat Beats or whatever, whatever. That was like my get out of jail free card. You know what I mean? So I get I. I did the rebirth and like rebirth is when I started working on my own shit. I ain't working with other producers and I'm like, you know what? Some people are going to be like, ah, oh, it's just like whatever, but it was it. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to call this rebirth. Real MCs bring intelligent lives to hip hop because this ain't no, for me, it's about beats, but I want people to know that whatever beats I'm rocking on, it's going to be one below. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so after that, I'm like, let me record this album. And I, on the rebirth album, I had this one, I had a track from Jake one, I had a track from Being One, I had a track from Eric G, I had a track from Memo, I had a track from different people. And I'm like, yo, I had, a, did, I had did another record with this other MC, I won't mention his name, and then when that shit turned into whatever, I'm like, man, I'm not going through that shit again. So I just deleted that album, and I said, I got all these verses, I'm about to find some beats, and put out this mixtape, I can record this shit in a week. Yeah. But I ain't gonna hit up Jake One and say, Jake One, I'm about to put out a mixtape. I ain't gonna hit up Vitamin D and say, I'm about to put up a mixtape, I need beats. I'm like, but you know, this young dude, Eric G, he lives in Seattle, he hungry. Like, I like some of his stuff, let me hit him up. I am like, Eric G, I'm trying to do a mixtape, man, let me hear some beats. Eric G, who now works with Ninth Wonder, but back then, like, Eric G is producing for Rhapsody now, you know, all that kind of shit, right? Right. Back then, he gave me a beat CD, it had 23 beats on it. So I'm, I'm listening to the CD, like, oh, okay, I can spit this verse on this. I can spit that verse on that. I'm like, yo, what's up with these 20 beats right here? He's like, that's all you. So I'm like, yeah, I can put this shit on next week. I'm thinking, I'm like, uh, I'm like, well, man, I'll write another verse to album, man. Quit being lazy. I'm like, you know what? Man, write it. Man, don't make that an interlude. Spit a verse on that. You know what? Fuck it. You can't do this without scratches. Put some cuts on it. And then my boy's like, yo, Freeway's in town. You, you, you know, you, you think you could do it? I'm like, hell yeah, let's rock with Freeway. Then I said, you know what? I never even asked for features. Let me start hitting people up. Royce was like, yo, Lo, I got you. I was like, what? Royce sent me a verse the next day, bro. Like, Jean Grey, I hit up Jean Grey. She was like, yeah, let's do it. She sent me the verse the next day. I was like, what? People were like, why are you surprised? I'm surprised because I do songs with people. Yo. I get, so I got a verse from Devin the Dude. I got a verse from Royce. I hit up this person. I was talking to Saigon. I was talking to M1. I was talking to Elza. I was talking to Brother Ali. I mean, I got so many features. I had to be like, wait, wait. I can do the Elza later. I can do Brother Ali later. I don't need Saigon. I don't need because I had so many features. I was overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, shit. So... DJ Abilities did all that, so that album, I didn't even put it out yet. And, you know, I got a deal back in 2009. It was supposed to come out. The record label dissolved. They bought me out of my contract. So, basically, they paid me X amount of money to basically record an album for free, basically. You know what I mean? Okay. So, now I got this album, and I was like, yo, while that album was in, like, a legal limbo or whatever, I was like, Y'all think I'm going to sit here and wait for y'all to, like, give me my record back? No, my, my lawyer's going to be barking at y'all ass while I'm over here working and laboring. Huh. 
I'm going to call the next record Labor. Language art is based on reality. So instead of putting Baby out next, I put out Labor. And then when I put out Labor, I was like, Language Arts, man, Language Arts, well, I should start writing books. So the first thing I'm going to do is, being a black youth, I'm going to take all my biographical rhymes and I'm going to rearrange them in chronological order. Okay. And then I'm going to fill in the blanks. I'm going to fill in the blanks with like anecdotes and stuff like that. And then I okay. started doing that and I was like, I said, wait a minute, yo, I ain't, I ain't fucking Wikipedia. I'm a fucking rapper. I'm a rhyme. And so instead of putting anecdotes, I started putting poems. So like this lyrical book, to make a long story short, a couple a couple years later, I'm thinking I'm writing a book, but it turned into three books, and then it turned into wow. 27 books. Like, you get what I'm saying? And so, last year, I was telling my kids, like, yo, um, me and Sanaa, we started working on this record, like, years apart. Mm. Me, Sanaa, like, whoever in Pontiac, all the times he was coming out, whatever, whatever, and we finished this record. Like, I just put out Light Years Apart. People like, yo, why is this a Bright Star record? Because me and Sanai was in a studio together. It ain't like I went to Egypt, worked on a record, and did it myself and called it Binary Star. Right, you know right, what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, things happen, whatever. We in a studio working on the album, and this motherfucker announced his retirement, like, online. He didn't tell none of us. Like, we like, what? Like, huh? We're like, okay. Like, to me, that's some fuckboy shit, but I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> point I'm trying to make is, if I'm working with people and we're working, like, and when I say we're working, I'm saying we're making the beats. We're studio rats. We're the lab all day, every day. Some people come in for 30 minutes, an hour, two hours, spit a verse and leave. You get what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. For me, that's not binary star. Binary star is two stars revolving around each other, not... Like, you're featuring on our beats. <laughs> That's why I tell Decompose, I said Decompose. I look at Slum Village and I don't know who the fuck's in the crew. Like, I, I see, you know, I see RJ or whoever on stage, you know, they can do whatever they want to do, but it's like other people are spitting other people's verses. When I, when I go see the far side, I don't know who the fuck's up there spitting whose verses. I said, if me and you go out on the road and we play our beats and we spit our rhymes, it's binary style. We don't have to have other people spitting other people's verses. Okay. So that's why we still pushing binary star because, dog, all I got to do is play my music. And people are like, oh, it's no binary star without Sanaim. I'm like, yo, there's Glenn Close without Sanaim. There's any 500 without Sanaim. There's Evolution of Man without. Don't tell me there's no binary star because you motherfuckers wasn't saying that when there's no Sanaim on half the record. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So make a long story short. So that, that book. I put that to the side because last year I told my kids, yo, I got this idea. I'm going to take Waterworld, the two-headed dragon, uh, E.T., rocket ship, like uh, 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 Slang Blade. Uh, basically, I'm going to create the universe and tell this story. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So so coming back from Egypt to the States, I wrote this shit on the plane, yo. Okay. <laughs> I wrote this story on the plane, and I'm like, yo, I'm going to call it the Legends of One Man Army, the rumor. So uh, I, I put it out with Light Years Apart as a PDF last year. Okay. And this year, I'm like, yo. I'm like, yo, man, I'm about to get on some, some Orson Welles shit because I'm a recording artist. So I read my beat, I read my book over these beats. Like, I just okay. made, I didn't just make them, but, like, this project, I just finished it. It's total of 140 minutes. So it's two hours and 20 minutes, but I recorded it in five sections. So episode one or part one is 24 minutes. Part two is 23 minutes. Okay. Part four is 24 minutes. Part part three is 24 minutes. Part I'm fucking up. Part four is 27 minutes and part five is 42 minutes. 
Okay. So you can listen to it in sections. My kids did all the illustrations. Like, I had a couple people do, like, maps and shit like that. But it's fucking... Man. You've never heard anything like this, bro. Because, like, all the ad-libs in the book is from albums. Right. It's from songs. That's so, right. like, so like now... So this story is about a planet called Waterworld. And the planet is called Waterworld. And, it, and there's two stars that revolve around the planet. It's a blue sun and it's a yellow sun. So in the ancient world... Shit's green as fuck. It's, it's you know shit's growing like this, like uh, all of this shit's happening because it's like it's just an abundance of like sunshine and all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, evolution is crazy, and then and then the first kingdom is Kush. So on the album, on the Binary Star album, the KTB is just a song featuring the homies, right? But in the book, KTB is the Kush governing body. You get what I'm saying? So in the ancient world, the seven most celebrated pharaohs are low fat. Mr. High, Mr. Man, The Anonymous, Kuwizi, Oni Bello, and Kim Osapi. Like, clearly these are all my aliases, but in the right. book, Lofat is the first leader. And then Miss Terhide is a woman, so her name is Terhide, and it's Terrain. Those are two, like, uh, matriarchs, you know what I'm saying? But they laid a foundation for what's getting ready to happen next. So Terrain had this dream during her, during her reign. She has this dream that her son gets bitten by a wolf and he dies. So she prescribes all of these soldiers. I'm rhyming because that's in the book. She prescribes soldiers to be by her side. You know what I mean? But she died early in his prime. And so after she died, like, you know, a couple years later, he dies. And then the curse of the wolf is lifted. But then later, the blue sun supernovas. And when the blue sun supernovas, people start going crazy because they're not used to, they don't, they've never experienced darkness before. They've never seen shadows. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So now when the sun, when the sun sets, people start flipping out. All of these new religions are born. Astrology is born. Astrology is born. All of these cults wow. is born. And then this guy, this guy comes on the scene and himself, the evil itself. He comes on the scene and he's the wolf man. He gets his power from the moon. So now it's now we're in the moon ages, and now he can control the shadows. He has a conquistador army. So this book is full of conquistadors. It's full of like wolfmen. It's the it's the moon. It's the it's the black hole. It's the dragon. That's wild. It's the sword. So so check this out. So when you get to the the, the new world in New York City, there's a young boy. His name is Wonder. Wonder, and he got a brother named Augie, and his grandmother's name is Yasni. So Yasni. All of these characters in the book come from songs. So I got a right. song called It's the One Man Army, General Subliminal, Flying right. Through the Sky, Ready for War with Syllables. Bro, for right. 20 years I've been writing this book. So when you That's hear right. it, all of those songs in the past are commercials for the book. Like, you're going to be like, oh, shit, One Man Army is who he is. Why the world is his name? What the fuck he lives? Then she wrote him to say hip-hop-free from Shady Biz and all the whack MCs. But the, the MCs in the book is the Mighty Conquistadors. You get right. what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So, Yasni is the One Man Army, General Subliminal, flying through the sky, ready for war with syllables, literary, military, top secret mission. You ain't seen nothing yet. Her name is Yazzie. You ain't seen nothing yet. And you got to read the book to understand why her name is Yazzie. Okay. I got okay, another right. dude in the book named Hans. He's the leader of the, he's the, he's the general of the Conquistador Army. And Hans comes from a song called Here and Now. But when you listen to that song, it describes Hans. Whoever thought I was weak, you sort of a geek. I'm sort of a beast. I'm hogging the beat. The more that I speak, kidnap your whole family, torture your knees. Like, that's Hans, right? right. 
Sutra is the abbot of the Masiva monks. Sutra is Peter spelled backwards. Like, that kind of shit. I don't want to get all into the details because okay. okay. the story is quiet. <laughs> hey, hey, but you know, there's a dragon, and the dragon's name is Margonos. Margonos spelled backwards is Sonogram, you know, that kind of shit. Okay. So, okay. I got so my own glyphs. Folks it's, 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 it's layers on layers on layers, bro, but make a long story short. Wonder goes and he basically gets the slang bread and he goes and he kills the wolf man. E.T. helps him escape. Like, E.T. is in the book. Rocket ships are in the book. Word. Like, autocons are in the book. It's the Phoenix Center in the book. Like, when you get to autocons, everybody speaks in a con language. So, it's confusing, but they contribute to this conversation. And, and it's not about economy. It's like all con words. It's like, it's really dope, man. There's voices. Okay. It's 78 beats on here. I got wow. 78 beats on this motherfucker, man. It's, 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 it's an odyssey, bro. That's okay. the next thing that's coming up, though. Okay. Well, hey, we appreciate you coming on, man, sharing your history, the science behind the book. Everybody, be on the lookout for One Below. Thanks for coming on the Dead by Rap Pod, man. Really appreciate it. Appreciate Thanks for it. the love. Follow me on Instagram, 1B007. You know what I'm saying? You know, you got the onebelow.com. Shout out to Deacon Pauls, the Autocons, Binary Style, Autoheads. Shout out to y'all, man. Much love. Thanks, bro. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Peace.